so, so the second issue, which is in a way the key bit for carers, is this thing called associative discrimination. Um, and this is the, the Sharon Coleman bit, and at the moment it's in Clause 13. Um, although, um, if you look at the bill, if you look at Clause 13, you won't see the word carer there at all. Um, uh, 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 and I think this is the point that's already been made. If you look at the bill, it doesn't scream carers. It actually doesn't say anything about carers um, in, in, in the Act at all. Um, and therefore, although the government is saying this Clause 13 is designed to implement the Sharon Coleman judgment of the European Court of Justice, it's up to all of us to to explain that because it's not um, it doesn't it's not self-evident from the bill itself. What the the Act does is that um, it says that. Um, it's unlawful to discriminate against somebody. Um, <clears throat> it's unlawful to sort of make, to, to discriminate against somebody because they are associated with one of the prohibited groups. So Sharon Coleman was discriminated against because she had a disabled child. She was victimised, she would say, um, because she was taking time off to look after her son where some of her, her disabled son, where some of her colleagues were taking time off for other reasons and they weren't getting the flack. So she was directly discriminated against because of disability. Um, if, if there was just a policy of not giving people time off at all, um, she wouldn't have been able to get direct discrimination because she was saying, no, that wasn't the policy. I was just victimized because it was, I was taking time off because of a disabled child. Um, and therefore I suffered directly because of that. Now, the, the, the European Directive says that associative discrimination is unlawful. The problem with the, uh, um, the Sharon Coleman decision is that it was limited to employment. The European Directive says that you, you're not allowed to discriminate on grounds of uh, associative grounds, on grounds of employment. Um, and uh, the problem with the Disability Discrimination Act in this country is that you can only claim disability discrimination if you are a disabled person. Um, uh, and as we all know, the European Court of Justice said no, that victimizing people around disabled people is um, further socially excludes disabled people. Um, and so the, the, the case was expressed in terms of um, it's, it, it's, it's, it's it causes a negative impact on disabled people if you attack their associates. And that's the problem, that it doesn't say what, it's okay to attack associates as long as they doesn't have a negative impact on disabled people. And so that's the nub of the problem at the moment, is that we do need to say, you just can't attack people because they're carers, um, because it has an impact on the carer, uh, if you see what I mean. So... The great thing about the, the Equality Bill is that it says you can't have associated discrimination. You can't discriminate against carers because of their caring responsibilities. But not just in employment. This will be across the board. So it will be in health, it will be in social care, it will be in terms of goods and services, banking, uh, um, housing, and so on. Um, that, I think, will be uh, positive. Although... It's this direct thing. I'm not giving you this loan because 
you have a disabled person living in the house, those sort of things. I'm not allowing you into this restaurant because you want to come with a disabled person. Um, so, so it will be useful, um, but I'm not sure exactly the extent to which um, these sort of cases will come up. It's for us to sort of think about them. I just wanted to, to make a comment that um, I think when the the details of the bill were first released, one of the things that I suppose we were slightly disappointed about was that carers were not mentioned specifically and that although the rights appear to be enshrined in, in the associative discrimination, they're not sort of mentioned by name, so to speak. Um, and as, as I, I, sort of, I, I sort of blow hot and cold as to whether that's, you know, whether that's important or not. Um, some of us would say it is important that the word carer you know, is, is written somewhere in the bill, but it's, a, but it's about whether what, what actually the legislation will mean for carers, isn't it, effectively? You know, how it, how it pans out. There's no use just having a list of, of people that may be um, covered by it, but it's actually what, what it means for them in, in actuality in terms of being able to exercise those rights. And that, for me, is the important thing. I'm disappointed that maybe it is only associative discrimination and not directly, but on the other hand, if that still gives people the same rights, then I don't have a problem with that. Well, the, the problem I find is that, you know, lower down the food chain, the lower you get, the more you get down towards our local level, yeah. uh, the more people misunderstand what's meant, you see, yeah. and they only really, um, kind of, they'll interpret things literally. Yes. So even though, you know, finer points of law understand that this will mean carers, mm. you know, if, they, if the word isn't plastered yeah. in like 20-foot letters or something, it just doesn't make any impact here. Yeah. So yeah, I'm yeah. putting my hope on the guidance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do, do, we, do, we, um, do we know that in the guidance that there, <coughs> there will be, you know, the, the, obviously I think you've, I haven't seen the draft guidance. No, we haven't seen anything no. that's gone been consulting on that. What I've, we now have just had published, just um, on the turn of the, the year, the draft guidance issued by the Equality and Human Rights Commission. There's two that you need to look at. One is the draft employment um, code of practice, and the other one is the draft, <laughs> services, draft services, public functions, and associations code of practice, and I'll send you the links. If you look at the employment code of practice, um, at page, uh, well, it's paragraph 317. It, it, it talks about discrimination by association, the clause that we're, we're, we're interested mm -hmm. in. And it gives an example. And the example is um, an employer refuses to promote an employee because she is married to a Christian. This would be direct religious um, or belief-related discrimination based on her association with her husband. Well, yeah, big deal. Um, but that's blindingly obvious in a way. Um, and I think that what we're going to have to do is to go back to the Equality and Commission, Human Rights Commission and say, look, this provision is only in here because of Sharon Coleman, mm. and yet you give a religious mm. uh, example. <laughs> we must have carers' examples because they are the much more difficult ones for people to understand. Mm -hmm. um, mm. so, so, yes, we can see that, we can get that, but I think that most people would, would, would know that's wrong. Um, because it seems to be irrelevant, whereas not employing somebody because they've got caring responsibility, you say, well, that's fair enough, because, you know, they'll be taking time off, blah, blah, blah. So there are all those pejorative views. When you look at the code of practice on um, services, public functions and associations, the other one, um, when you look at the associative discrimination under that, the example, that's at paragraph 520, 
Um, uh, it, it says um, a boy wishes to join his local football club, but he is rejected because his parents are a lesbian couple. Um, uh, that's unlawful direct discrimination by association. Well, again, you know, pardon me, but I would have thought that's blindingly obvious. That doesn't really help much. Everybody would know that that's just ir irrational and wrong. Um, but so we would need to have some example there. Somebody's refused a bank loan because somebody in their house is disabled. So I don't know what it would be, but we need to come up with some good examples because I think the, the bill is almost unintelligible. It's, it, it is so difficult to understand. Mm. Nobody's going to look to the bill for any enlightenment, but they are going to look to the codes. And the codes aren't that easy, but the codes are where you'd mm. go, and that's where we need carers, lots of examples. So we need to in a way, all of us bombard the Equality and Human Rights Commission and say, look, this is really very poor. You've only got three or four references. It, I think we do need to, 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 to hit them. But also, the Equality and Human Rights Commission has said that they're going to try and sort of reach parts that the previous three commissions, the, you know, the Equal Opportunities Commission, the, 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 sex, uh, the, the, the Race Relations uh, uh, Commission, and the, um, the Disability Discrimination Commission didn't reach, and everybody's always talked about carers as being that group who who, who they should. And to, you know, to say, look, although they have talked the talk on carers, it's very disappointing that when they come to draft something, they're still back into the traditional stereotypes of sex and, and gender orientation, all that jazz. So, so anyway, the, the associated discrimination bit is interesting, um, and 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 in a way, I, it, it doesn't, you know, the act clearly doesn't give carers rights not to be discriminated against. They only have a right not to be discriminated against um, if that's because they are caring for a disabled person. Um, Although, I, I mean, I think that's um, less than we would have liked. I think, on the other hand, there are some the arguments that, I mean, Vera Baird, the Solicitor General gave to justify <coughs> that position, which has at least some substances that, um, you know, people, some groups may be um, discriminated against because of something that's inherent in their condition as a human being, whereas being a carer is, is, is an acquired circumstance and notionally at least there's choice about being a carer um, I, I think that we've got the, to nail that John I think we've got to nail that because a I don't think people do choose to be carers and I think that that that, that it is innate it is something that happens to you when when you know somebody you're married to has an accident you have an accident too um, but you know but and also the, Luke the, because the services haven't been provided or adequate service haven't been provided, many of us have to undertake caring by default, even though our choice is something different. Now, that's not being cruel or uncaring or whatever. It's because <coughs> we have other responsibilities or our own health is poor, and, and so we, don't, we, we, we choose not to do that, but we still yeah. end up doing it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's Hobson's choice for in the great majority of cases, I agree, but... Um, but of course, when it happens, it, 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 the, the association is formed, and um, mo most, much of the uh, examples of discrimination and, and exclusion that 
um, we've identified for carers are actually covered by associative discrimination. I mean, obviously, it would have been better if we'd had um, carers in there up front as a prescribed group. But, yes. Um, but but but, uh, but I actually think associative discrimination is quite powerful in the context of carers because carers actually only are carers through their association with the disabled person. Yes. Um, so it, it's, you, it's it's second best, yes, but it's quite a good second. Is it, all I'm it, it is second best, but I think we need, to, and I, I understand exactly what you're you're saying, and and there is this argument about. You know, discrimination should protect people because of their innate characteristics, being black or a woman or disabled. But in fact, that's fallacious, and we need to address that because discrimination legislation has moved beyond because we have it on grounds of religion. Now, you know, most people would say that you choose your religion. I mean, maybe, you know, Saul um, got a thunderbolt from above and it was no choice, but but most people choose their religion. I've got a sister that's chosen four religions in her life and is probably going to be on to a fifth. So we do say you can't discriminate against somebody because they're a Christian um, or because they're a Jehovah's Witness or what have you. Um, and it seems to me that that is a choice issue. That's not an innate issue. And it's also the case, and there's a quite a mature um, academic analysis of this, that increasingly people can be cured of their disability. So that if you choose to be deaf, although I could give you a cochlear implant, um, is that a choice decision? So this idea that um, innate characteristics are something about which you can do nothing and therefore they are more worthy than situations of birth or, 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 or the predicament of somebody else, I think that philosophically we need to argue that that may not be it's a neat answer, but it's not a. It's not actually philosophically a satisfactory. Well, I, I accept that philosophically. I suppose my feeling is is a pragmatic one that we that we need yeah. to play up the importance of the associative discrimination <coughs> because yeah. I, I I still think that whilst I accept what you say, Lou, I think in many of the examples, if <coughs> not all of the examples we've come up with. Um, one could could nail the offenders with, through associative discrimination or in some cases um, indirect discrimination yeah. as well. But um, no, I think your 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 formula is a very good one, John. That that it doesn't matter because carers are defined because they care for disabled people. Therefore, they are always going to be protected by association. I think that's an interesting, that's a neat formulation. Um, that, that will, 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 will work with many, um, well, with anybody that doesn't have um, an understanding of disability law. I think, is, I think so, and I think being too publicly aggrieved about the matter, whilst I accept what people are saying, could end up <coughs> then giving the impression that, oh, we don't have to bother about this associative thing, it's only second-tier stuff. Well, actually, no, you can have the pantsuit off you for it, um, as indeed Sharon yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, no, I think we, that's a very good um, pragmatic and also sort of policy approach. And in, in which case, probably uh, we should let <laughs> you continue through your list. <laughs> no, no, I think that's very sensible. Um, and 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 I suppose when we re, re, revisit this, we should beef that point up because I think it's a very good one. 
The, the third ground, which is, I think, really the most interesting, I still can't get my head around it, is that the, 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 the bill, and it's attracted very little attention, but the bill makes it unlawful to discriminate against people indirectly. Now, we've always had indirect discrimination against rape and sex. So, you know, the classic example of indirect discrimination, I mean, the definition of indirect discrimination is a policy that on its face is neutral, that has a disparate impact on one group. And the classic sexual discrimination example of that is is the old rule that, that, that you could only join the police force if you were five foot ten or above. That's a neutral rule, but of course it had a disparate impact on women because women are generally as a group shorter than men therefore it was indirect discrimination against women now um, we've always had that and we've also always had um, uh, indirect discrimination on grounds of race um, uh, but we've never had indirect discrimination on disability disability because it's different because all forms of discrimination in a way are different um, had instead of indirect discrimination it had this positive obligation uh, to, to consider reasonable adjustments um, so that, uh, you know, you couldn't dismiss somebody or couldn't refuse to employ them if you could reasonably adjust your, your regime or your environment to, to accommodate them. So it was a duty of reasonable adjustments. For the first time now, we have indirect discrimination on grounds of disability. Um, and so you could say... Um, if I have an appointment system at the doctors that makes it much more difficult for carers to, to get an appointment because it's got very rigid times, um, then that's indirect discrimination against disabled people because if the carer falls ill, the disabled person will suffer. Um, the problem is, do you have to in any one do you have to show actual detriment to the disabled person? But any policy that, uh, like saying we will refuse as, a, as an employer to allow anybody to have um, time off, uh, to, to, to have time off work without having asked for it in two, you know, two weeks in advance, or you have inflexible working hours, or we require everybody to work overtime um, uh, without notice, would have a disparate impact on carers. So that would be indirect. That would be direct discrimination against carers. But it would also, um, it would, it it might indirectly impact on disabled people. Um, but you would have to show some detriment, I think, to a disabled person. But it seems to me that detriment could just be heightened anxiety or something like that. Yes, I, I, the, an example we also discussed at the <coughs> conference was. Um, and you made reference, Luke, to the issues for mental health carers earlier on. Um, if in an area it could be shown that the support given to um, mental health carers was substantially worse than for other groups, um, one could, um, that, you know, an association works both ways. That, that 
that again could have um, be shown to have um, an, a, a detrimental effect on people um, with mental health problems mm -hmm. and therefore be indirect discrimination against them. And I mean, whilst both of these things are slightly nebulous and might be a bit difficult to get sufficient evidence of harm to sue, um, they are things that will have to be considered in a quality impact assessment <coughs> and uh, there's uh, an obligation, I mean the purpose of equality impact assessments is, is much broader isn't it, it's a positive obligation, I mean Vera Baird described it at the conference in terms of it being an obligation to attempt to root out unfairness and in that regard it, it does put into play with equality impact assessments these issues um, so, so I think it, I think it's very useful as a lobbying tool. As, as the, the the degree to which legal action can be taken, I mean, probably remains to be seen. And um, I think Luke's a little, yes. feels that's a little unclear scenario, really. But uh, yeah. but I think it's a good policy lever. I don't know if there's any other comments. I mean, uh, my view is that. The, the indirect discrimination is sort of at a micro level. An individual will say, um, this regime that you have or this policy or this practice is making it very difficult for me to carry on with my caring responsibilities. Because of that, the disabled person, the, the, the legislation says, is put at a, disa a, a, at a particular disadvantage. Um, and, and, and what we need to know from the courts is what, how particular does the disadvantage have to be for the disabled person? Um, they couldn't go to their after-school club because the, 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 they couldn't go to their activity because the carer was, had to work overtime or something like that. Um, so I, it seems to me that the disadvantage needn't be very great. And, of course, the, what we're using here is saying you, the employer, you, the local authority, you, the NHS, don't know what the measure is going to be. So you shouldn't risk it because the government has clearly brought in indirect discrimination and clearly that anything that has a negative impact on carers is ne inevitably going to have a negative impact on disabled people. So, is, are there some crossovers here or parallels with human rights <clears throat> legislation? Because it seems to me that a lot of what you were talking about is kind of inherent in um, the right to a family life. And, um, and certainly by <coughs> provision of um, appropriate services to support both the disabled person and to support the carer can impact on, on the children. And, and of course, certainly in mental health, in the new um, Horizon strategy, there's masses of work now to be undertaken um, to put that right. So my question is, where, where, where the um, Single Equalities Act um, might not be clear, perhaps the human rights legislation is the one to use. Yes, I mean, we, we tend to try and never mention human rights in, in courts because it, it sort of, um, it, it's even more nebulous, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> I think that there is a crossover um, between um, the duty to promote uh, family life and, and, and these issues. Uh, the, the trouble is that the right to family life is, 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 is what's called a qualified right. There is this obligation. Uh, 
but the state can say, but it's expensive or what have you. And, and the courts have tended to interpret it fairly weakly, I think. It's useful to buttress our argument under the... Um, I, I think the Human Rights Act can support the equalities legislation. The human rights has always seemed to be even more diffuse. And the other problem with human rights legislation is it only applies to public authorities. So it wouldn't be good with the employer or, or, or the private provider, effectively, unless it's a care home. Um, so, but I, I think that they, they do. They do. I mean, often people say that equalities is the is the forgotten twin of human rights. That they're they're they're, they're basically the same thing genetically. Um, but at the moment, the courts tend to be more interested. You might not believe this if you read the Daily Express, but they're more interested in equalities legislation than human rights legislation. Um, but, 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 but in this era, I think they are very, very closely linked, particularly with, I suppose, disabled children. If you don't provide me with this, then um, <clears throat> family life becomes impossible. impossible. And we do in the Carer's Guide, the, 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 new, the third edition, um, have a section on human rights where the courts have almost been prepared to, 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 to say that a complete lack of support violated the carer's human rights. But we've never had a case on that yet. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so we have there for the 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 um, the the. The the, indi- the 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 indirect discrimination. I think that's very interesting. In 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 the examples the government, the the, the Equality and Human Rights Commission on it give on indirect discrimination, they never mention carers. Um, and I think we've got to start trying to get them to, to mention it uh, because it because it's such a difficult concept. Everybody's going to think, well, maybe it does, and and therefore it's going to be another um, <coughs> string to the bow. The last issue, and I think in a way it's the most important issue in relation to the bill for you in your, in your roles, is this impact assessment duty. Um, whenever you do any policy, you must look at whether it will have a disparate impact on disabled people. And clearly, if a policy has an impact on carers, it will have an impact on disabled people. And therefore, it's very heartening that the ADASS is doing this. We heard at the conference that the Care Quality Commission was also um, making sure that all its own policies were um, care-approved, is that they'd done an impact assessment on all their own internal policies, uh, and one assumed that they'd done that so that they could then get tough with the institutions that they um, inspect. Um, so, uh, uh, and John, you mentioned some stuff about the Care Quality Commission's outcome and performance characteristics, which I've never really understood. So perhaps you could you, you could amplify that as well. Well, um, (coughs) it's a a tangential point in one way, but they do kind of tie together. They, I mean, their predecessor organisation, CSDI, um, revised the um, inspection standards for local authorities, and um, they produced a new set that were called the Outcome and Performance Characteristics and put them out for consultation, and there was... uh, a big um, kickback saying about the fact that carers were mentioned intermittently and inconsistently in them and uh, they really took it to heart and never in the history of um, 
lighting and carers has and carers been written <laughs> so often. But 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 really, I would say that if a local authority uh, was to be performing, you know, it then asked you are is your performance adequate? Um, and give some examples of that for, for a whole range of different. Um, over a whole range of different issues, are you performing well or excellently? If you've, if you've got an excellent performance across the piece for carers, I mean, I think the possibility of being guilty of any of those forms of discrimination completely goes out of the window. Yeah, because yeah. In, in another way of looking at this is simply carer-proofing or thinking yes. carer consistent. <clears throat> and uh, so, so, so I think the... Um, and, and and of course, if councils have to undertake these impact assessments, um, a set quite a selling point for including the stuff care, about carers as actively as one can is that apart from not no one being able to come and feel our collar about that as a council, what it also will do is provide evidence of having consulted carers because one does have to consults about equality impact assessment yeah. as well and uh, um, so so we, we we need to find ways of tying together using equality impact assessments quite broadly and capturing information and evidence of of things that are positive for our our um, um, for, for our self-assessment survey which is an annual return we our sort of annual thing we send into the headmaster's office to, to, to be to be marked. I think it would be good also if we could sort of almost, I mean, I, I, I need to, to, to clock these things to say when we're saying this, and the Care Quality Commission have themselves done this, and the ADASS is, is, is proposing this. So if I, I mean, uh, we, if we could sort of almost reference that, it seems to me the only thing we got on the Care Quality Commission doing this is what Baroness Young said at the conference. Is that right? Well, it's the document. A docu they've produced a copy. They've <coughs> produced for consultation um, the, a, a new um, impact assessment policy, and they had to do that anyway because yeah. um, the fact was that three organisations had merged into yeah. new ones. So. CQC hadn't itself got its own policy, and, and, it's in that, going, is it? uh, and so it's out for consultation. But it is actually very interestingly called an equalities and human rights um, policy, and they, right. they talk about having an equality and human rights uh, impact assessment, and so um, right. that, that that which is which is very interesting yeah, yeah. and I think very positive. Which is why I asked the question. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, that, that, that they're, they're linking those up. Um, yes. <laughs> and um, that mentions carers. It does in, does in a number of places. The document yeah. that come out is a little bit of a curate's egg from our point yeah. of view, although I think there will be some improvements to it in the consultation. Uh, it, uh, the Care Quality Commission did set up an Equalities and Human Rights um, uh, group which um, was the membership were disabled people, older people, people from black and minority ethnic communities and carers, etc., etc., etc. And on the basis of the work, working group, 
a lot of what you see in that Equalities and Human Rights document comes from from the people, so involved by involving them. But of course, as as everybody knows, we we try to go that bit further in promoting, well, certainly in promoting um, carers' rights and the and the inclusion of of lots of things I would have liked to have seen in there in re- relation to carers. Um, but we weren't always as successful as we would like to be. But we do get that second bite of the cherry. So having got carers sort of seeded throughout the document and 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 in their um, <clears throat> their way of working, it's certainly up to to people to comment on it and strengthen what we've started. So yeah, I'll, I'll give them full credit for for um, doing what <clears throat> they're doing and the way they're doing it by involving people first and and then going you know from that. So you're, we're in at the start, if you like. That's great. I mean, I think from my point of view, I mean, writing one of these papers, I think it's just very useful to say um, in relation to the impact assessment duty, you know, the Care Quality Commission is doing this in its policy document and give a footnote to it. And the ADAS is advising this and give a footnote. And, and you know, 99% of people don't look beyond the statement and the footnote. Um, and so it's become self-fulfilling, basically. You know, we've got to do it because our political masters and our inspectors are doing it. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, more examples of organisations that are doing it, just briefly saying it without analysing actually the sort of the quality of their statement is, is, is going to be really good. And that's why I believe that it's um, sad not to see carers write in, write in that, the, the headline statements yeah. quite yeah. often. We're not included in the headline statements and come some, you know, in some paragraph, 20 uh, pages in, by which time nobody's bothered to read. So that's why we get left yeah. out of everything. And that's why I honestly do believe it's really important to get carers in 30-foot-high letters at the beginning of everything. But that's what it seems to me your, your network does, because the and carer bit always happens, because you know, stroppy letters from Janet and John and, and everybody else. Uh, 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 and then they say, oh, my God, and they put it in. And you say, gosh, this is a really strong document, but it's only because they've been bonded. And I think that if we can do that with the, with the Equality and Human Rights Commission on the, the guidance, that too would be useful. 